I must begin my homily this morning by saying that in the over 38 years of diaconal ministry, the greatest assignment that I have ever had and has brought me the greatest joy is teaching your children and your grandchildren. And as I look out in the group, I see some of the present students that I currently have the pleasure of teaching, and I see some young adults that at one point in their life had me also. You know, every time I walk into class, the first thing I say to them is, where are we on our journey? And that leads to questions like, what is life about? Who is God? How does he reveal himself? Why must we have death? You know, these questions are much different than the ancients ask. Anything they found that they couldn't understand or couldn't explain, they either demonized it or they divinized it. The Egyptians had their multiplicity of gods. The Greeks, the same. The Romans, in fact, the Romans were so lazy, they just took the Greek gods and gave them different names. But all this was trying to explain why is life the way it is? What's going on? And the Druids were really great. They saw this season that we are going through right now, the leaves falling down, the trees taking on the appearance of death. And then suddenly in the spring, coming back to life. This must be a special spirit. So they became the first tree huggers. We also question as they did. Why is life the way it is? These readings we have this morning show us people at different stages, different times, asking the same questions. Now, when Alexander the Great took over the Middle East, he tried to convert all the nations to give up their traditions, give up their gods, follow the Greek way. The Jewish people had a great deal of trouble with that because at one point in their time, God had come to them, chose them as a peculiar people his own, and he gave them the commandment, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being. Teach this to your children. Meditate it constantly, whether you are at work or at play. And this is the code that the individuals in the first reading are trying to follow. They're trying to be coerced to give up everything that they have been given by God. And we see the first brother saying, why are you giving us all this dialogue? Why are you talking about it? Why don't you just kill us? Because we're not going to give up the faith of our forefathers. We're not going to yield to doing it your way as the only way. And so they go through all these. In fact, this translation that we have in our lectionary is mild compared to the original reading. 
the tortures they put these people through show us exactly how heinous we are capable of being. And that ability to stand up against this evil shows us how noble we can be. Yielding to force is not God's way. We must always look to him for support. We all must always look to him for guidance. And so when we come to the gospel passage, we hear a group of Jews who don't believe in the resurrection, who don't believe in any life after death other than Sheol, which is just a place where the dead spirits go to, neither good or bad, and they are challenging Jesus. And they give him the old philosophical approach. Now Moses gave this this law, and it says, then they go on and explain about the wife and the husband and seven brothers taking the same wife. Whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus does a marvelous job of shooting them down. He says, you're missing the point. In the afterlife, there is no marrying, there's no remarrying. They are all children of God and they are alive and well. And to prove this, he said, if Moses cried out and said, Lord, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Joseph, what? They're dead. And then, if he's the God of the dead and our God, then he must be the God of living and the dead. Marvelous way, Jesus. You did a fine job there. I'll give you a good, good grade on your report card. The whole thing is that Jesus is pointing the way for us, pointing the way for us to attain salvation. Right before he was going to suffer his passion, he said to his disciples, do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. Then he goes on to tell them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take you to where I am. And then he says, you know what? You know the way. And good old Thomas, he says, Lord, we have no clue where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There you have it. There you have it. There's the answer to our question. How does God reveal himself? He went on further by encouraging his disciples when he was about to depart to ascend into his rightful place into heaven. And he said to them, he said, you know, you worry about a lot of things, but there's something you must remember. Remember, I am with you always. And he told them further, seek 
and you will find. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. And so these 12 that have been commissioned to go out in the world and proclaim this good news have told us. John and his gospel tells us in that placard we see at the football games, John 316. Well, you know what that says? God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that those who came to believe in him might have life everlasting. John went a little further in one of his letters to the communities he had set up. And he says, what we will be at the end, we do not know. We do not know. But we do know this much. We will be like God, for we will see him as he is. Those are the promises given to us. So when your children ask me this, it's a lot like that commercial we see on television where the young girl says, my mother washes all the dishes before putting them in the dishwasher. Just what does the dishwasher do? Well, if you're asking, as she did to me, just what does God do? You just heard it. He is there for us. He is there with us. He is telling us that there is something better than what we are encountering in our everyday lives. Look forward to it. Be part of it. But also, he tells us, take up your cross daily and come. Follow after me. I always end my classes by telling my students, God loves you, each and every one of you, and so do I. And that applies to everyone in this room. God loves you, so do I. Father Simone loves you. Let's work in that love. Let's live in that love. Let's become neighbor to one another. Let's put out strife. Let's put out evil in our world and pass it on to a generation who eagerly looks for peace and justice and equality.